Welcome to episode 1201 of The Sleeper in the Bus. I am Justin Mason, joined as always on Sundays by Jason Collette. How you doing, my friend? Uh, doing well, man. It is a uh, uh, boring trade deadline, I would say. I, I am uh, keep looking at it and, and seeing what, what's going to happen. And we got a little bit of news last night, which gave us at least a big name to talk about. Uh, but otherwise, it seems like it's going to be kind of quiet. How are you? I don't know. I don't think it's been super quiet. I mean, you know, we're we're still a few days away from the deadline, and already had uh, a big name. I mean, we've had a star traded, and then some other big names. Uh, definitely don't want to like in. Oh, we're know, less than forty-eight hours away, though, right? It's I know, but it always happens the day of. Like, you yeah, know, like, and, and we've already we've already had a we've already had a star like Max Scherzer get deal, dealt. I think it's. I think you are just. Envious of the players that are moving. Hey, I don't you know what you're talking about. I got Erasmo Ramirez on my team now. I mean, come there on. Go. Oh, wait, what more could you ask for? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, maybe. Uh, <laughs> after 17 to 4 beatdown last night, oh, yeah. yeah well, I would just like to see. I, I can't wait for July to be over. This 6 and 16 month is the second worst in franchise history. Uh, oh, wow. It feels, oh, yeah, it couldn't come at a better time. So yeah, and then my my late my L labor team is trying to hold on to first and losing Taylor Ward. F you, Alec Manoa. Thanks so much for that plunking mm-hmm. of the face of Ward. And and then Jordan Romano's back going out. So yeah, I'm. Uh, it's been a rough weekend. <laughs> Just say that. Yeah. Well, hopefully we can uh, invigorate you, invigorate your teams. Uh, you know, I'm gonna say it at the top. This is a boring week of fab uh, i think there's you know obviously next week uh, is going to be uh, a lot more interesting because we're going to have a bunch of names that were affected by the trade deadline yeah. uh we've got a few on the rundown that could likely be impacted by the trade deadline uh but we're just kind of guessing uh, a little bit uh that being said we also have some trades to talk about so we'll jump in with those trades first uh, let's start with Lance Lynn and Joe Kelly heading to the Dodgers uh, in a deal. Um, obviously, Joe Kelly, not really fantasy relevant outside of like the deepest of deepest leagues. Um, but Lance Lynn has been, I think, statistically the worst starting pitcher in Major League Baseball this year. But he's formerly a uh, top 25, top 30 starting pitcher. He's moving to a fantastic organization in the Dodgers where he'll at least get a ton of run support. Do you think that the Dodgers can fix Lance Lynn? Yes, I'm. I was actually super excited about this uh, acquisition. The uh, you know, I think we talked about him last week on on my labor squad. You can't bench him, so you have to carry him or cut him. And this is why I didn't want to cut him yet. I wanted to see where he was going to land. This this is one of the best places he could have uh, landed. I, I would say, yeah. You know, so that's where I was really curious to see uh, how it's going to work. Uh, Mike Petriello had a really nice article on uh, MLB.com talking about five names that would be interesting in trade, and both Kelly and Lynn were one of the, or were two of the five uh, that were named in the article about what could possibly go well there. So I was intrigued after reading the article, hopeful that he would land somewhere good. And now to me, it's like I any thoughts I had about dropping Lynn. Uh, and this is despite falling three points in ERA this week alone in, in the standings. I'm not. I'm keeping Lynn. I'm going to ride him out the rest of the way. This, If you have been holding Lance Lynn, this is the best possible landing situation. 
there's a good chance he's been sit- he's sitting out there on the free agent pile in some of your other leagues because despite the strikeouts, he absolutely has been killing ratios. Uh, this would be your chance if you're hurting for strikeouts. I think we even said this last week. If you're hurting for strikeouts, you know, go go pull the rest uh, rest of season projections up right now. I want to say Lance Lynn is is top ten uh, for strikeouts uh, for pitcher WAR. Go look at that. Uh, if you listen to me on the Baseball HQ podcast, uh, Baseball Radio podcast with uh, Patrick Davitt Friday, Lance Lynn was the and we recorded that Wednesday by the way before the trade even happened. Uh, he was one the pitcher that I said I would like to pick up the rest of the way because people have already you know, the damage has been avoided and you get to enjoy what's left of the season out of him, which I feel will be uh, much better than what we've seen from him. So I, I actually like this and I think it moves uh, moves the fantasy needle, if you will. Yeah, right now the bat has Lance Lynn projected for the fifteenth most strikeouts uh, rest of the way but also tied for the most wins rest of the way. So uh, I don't know if the Dodgers going to be able to fix him, uh, but you're at least going to get strikeouts. You're going to get wins uh, pitching for this uh, Dodgers squad. Uh, I've still got Lance Lynn on a number of spots. I'm hoping that they can fix him, even though uh, I never want to see my uh, my Giants uh, uh, get beaten by a Dodgers team. So, uh, yeah, I, I think he's a guy that – and he lines up this week – versus Oakland. So you couldn't ask for a better uh first start out the gate. Well, let's be real though. You look at look back at Lance Lynn's game log this year. It's like there have been times where you're like, man, look at this matchup. This is perfect. Mm-hmm. And he will go out there and like just laugh in your face and do the exact opposite. And then you look at some other matchups and you're like, man, there's no way this is going to work out well for him. And then he mm-hmm. goes out and strikes out 11 Toronto Blue Jays on July 6th and 16. Now this one, I remember that game, this 16 Seattle Mariners and a, the Mariners weren't hitting well and B the zone was ridiculously friendly in that game. Uh, But then he's had some other games where it's like, Oh, come on, let's go back to May 10th when he allowed seven earned runs and 11 base runners against Kansas city, who was hitting about a buck 50 during that time. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so he's had he is not immune to absolute stink bombs as we've seen it all year. But then every now and then he comes out with a game like, "Oh yeah, you could be good." Uh, so who knows? Let's hope that he hits the ground running out of Oakland. It's a good start. But go back and look how Oakland. Oakland's been doing well offensively. Yeah, this weekend they're in Colorado, and it certainly has helped. Uh, but they are not the same pushover offense that they were early in the season. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Uh, next uh, guy on the uh, the docket is Kendall Graveman traded to the Houston Astros. Uh, this is on the back of Ronaldo Lopez getting traded in the Giolito deal uh, to the Angels. Obviously, uh, Graveman is not going to close in Houston, so he's going to lose pretty much all of his fantasy value. The question becomes, who does close in Chicago now that Graveman and Ronaldo Lopez are both gone, and do you really care? Uh, I was kind of having this conversation with uh, somebody in my league yesterday. Uh, he's like, ooh, I picked up this guy. I'm like, maybe he gets five saves the rest of the season. But honestly, if we're just going to go by pure stuff, the line starts behind Gregory Santos. I don't know yeah. how anybody else uh, gets that option. He, I mean, you watch him you watch him pitch, and he's been the best guy in that bullpen by quite a bit. Uh, when you watch him pitch, I'm just bummed because I had him earlier in the season and cut him when nothing was happening for him. So he got the first save out of the gate, saved the game, and the hold went to Tanner Banks in that particular outing. 
Uh, and then yesterday, a hold went to Jesse Schultz's. The White Sox are going to be terrible. Treat them as you were treating Oakland the re- early part of the season. You know, he, you know, Santos may get five saves, but and he may not even pitch around those other outings where he's not getting that work. So I, I care if, if it's a mono league and I, I'm hurting and, and it's close and saves. Other than that, I, I'm not. I don't really care because he's going to get half the saves of a regular club, if that. Because you know, obviously the White Sox have already dealt away a few of their guys, uh, and they may not be done. Yeah, I I think Santos is uh, kind of the next guy up, um, and I do think the White Sox are going to trade a number of other relievers uh, that will make it even more barren around Santos. So if you're looking for saves, Santos is a guy. The question becomes, like you said, like does he get five saves the rest of the way, and is that impactful for you? So. I think I'll tell you they don't have any options in AAA getting ready to come up. Mm-mm. So no, as it's, somebody it's, who goes to a bunch of Charlotte games, it is not a good roster. <laughs> yeah, it's they don't have anybody fair. to call up. Yep. Uh, Max Scherzer was the big name traded uh, yesterday. Uh, it was a little weird, right? I mean, at first there was the kind of the announcement, "Hey, he's, he's being traded to the Rangers," and then the trade was on hold because uh, apparently they hadn't discussed him waiving his no trade dead uh, trade clause um, in his uh, in his contract. Uh, but it eventually got done. Uh, traded for the younger brother of Acuna. Uh, what are your thoughts on Scherzer heading to Texas? He's kind of been up and down this season. Yeah, my thoughts are Texas needed to do this with the news about Nadia Valdi and the, uh, I'm using air quotes for y'all listening, the good elbow pain that he's going through that's pushed back his start. I mean, he may not start until this coming Friday, uh, but they keep pushing his back. Uh, they haven't said that he's hitting the IL, but they're saying the pain's in a good part of his elbow. I didn't realize there was a good part of your elbow to have pain in as a pitcher, but here we are. So they had to kind of make that move. Uh, to do that, and you know, they, they've had some inconsistency with their pitching staff. I mean, offensively, they literally haven't had a problem much of the season. I mean, they put a base runner on, they're pretty much driving them in, although that may be tested with uh, with Jonah Heim hitting the I.O., which we'll talk about in a minute, uh, because John Gray had a nice start to the season, but then he's been up and down. Mm. Andrew Heaney was on a roll, then he's been up and down. Dane Dunning was on a really nice start, then he's been up and down. Martin Perez has been mostly down. They needed this. They had to get somebody in. So why not add another guy who's been up and down all season to a rotation that has mostly been up and down all season? So it's, you know, that's really where it sits. You need it. Uh, if you were a mono league team holding money uh, for Fab, this is probably going to be the biggest name that comes over. I, I, I'm not imagining another one uh, jumping over now that, you know, the Angels, well, yeah. Yeah, because we're talking NL League folks, too. The Angels have taken Otani off the market, different types of things. But this may be the biggest pitching name that comes over. So it it could be people throwing what they have left at this and hoping that Scherzer uh, uncovers a fountain of youth. Uh, And maybe being in a competitive situation again um, allows him to take that step forward that he was not taking uh, in consecutive starts with, uh, with the Mets. Yeah, I think my big concern is that he's moving from a park in New York that was the 20th best uh, or 20th worst for home runs uh, this year, which is what he has struggled with has been homers, especially recently. He's given up 10 home runs in the month of July. Yeah. Uh, And he's moving to uh, Texas that is playing a lot better for power, right? It's the 12th uh, best park for uh, for home runs or 12, or I guess the 12th. 
yeah. I'm sure it's been closed for a while, but uh, <laughs> yeah, it's that's the park change is definitely a concern. I haven't looked to see what Texas' schedule um, is the rest of the way on this. So, like I said, it's you have to hope that he can that uh, Scherzer can have a relocation and be like, okay, cool, I'm in a better mindset because somebody like him who definitely has that dog in him, uh, yeah, probably has not enjoyed uh, where he has been the last, uh, you know, this month, this season has not worked out as he expected. Uh, and so now getting to hop right into a pennant race, a very, a very contentious race with the Astros now fully back, uh, back and loaded with their lineup. We're getting Alvarez uh, and Altuve back this week. Um, it's, it's going to be a dogfight the rest of the way in the AL West. Yeah. He lines up against the white Sox at home. Uh, for his first start. So pretty decent uh, first start uh, to be coming into Texas. Hey, congrats to Tim Anderson on his first home run this year. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. We've been waiting. Um, Unfortunately, I think for anybody who's still rostering Tim Anderson, there's no way he was in your lineup. Like (laughs) one, one home run. It's, it's, I mean, it's just, it's, it's sad. The lower half, that's, it's a reminder when you have a lower half injury and it's not right, how it can just sap your power. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Uh, all right, uh, moving away from trades, moving on to just regular news, Trevor Story could return next week. He's going to be a big pickup in Fab where he's still available. Uh, he's He'll be available in pretty much every single NFBC league next weekend. Uh, but if you were thinking about picking him up for a, you know, a stash, knowing that he could potentially be back next week, uh, are you excited about a potential Trevor Story return? Not yet. Uh, you know, I even wrote this up at the collect calls column this week at Rotowire talking about how guys perform when they come back uh, and looking at the we call it days delayed. So often, you know, these guys will hit the 10 day IL. I call it days delayed looking at different types of injuries and how long uh, it took that player to be activated past when they were first eligible to come off the IL. And on the whole, the average has been 15 days. Uh, for all the injuries that have happened this year, on the average, it's been 15 days past the first day eligible returning. Uh, the elbow injury, honestly, there wasn't that many to look at uh, to say, oh, yeah, that. But then we look at, you know, look at Bryce Harper. I mean, Bryce Harper is probably the best case that we have right now. And Bryce Harper with his Tommy John and all the time he missed uh, and the power you know, the, the funny moment of the broadcast this week was when the Orioles were saying it's the same looking violent swing, but it hasn't been the same contact. And he literally homers on the next pitch. Um, but that said, it obviously has not been the same Bryce Harper. And we're talking about a guy here in Trevor Story that has been out of action for four plus months and he's coming in. So, you know, the overall theme of the article I wrote to collect calls this week is that we often fall into the trap of great guy before he got hurt, is coming back, so he's going to pick up right where he left off. Well, Trevor Story wasn't exactly setting the world on fire when he left. Mm-hmm. Uh, he got hurt, too, so uh, I'm not excited yet. Now, maybe he comes back and proves me wrong, uh, but I would just hope folks level their expectations of a guy missing this much time coming back into it. I mean, just if you're a Red Sox fan or whatever, look at Adam Duvall. Adam Duvall was gone two months. Actually, Adam Duvall came back right on time from his fracture wrist. And Adam Duvall uh, was crushing the ball before he got hurt. And then, you know, for the most part, he has not done that since coming back from his injury. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he had, story has hit well in his minor league rehab assignment. But it's Worcester. Uh, yeah, and it's also only been six games. Like it's yeah, two it's home runs in six games. Uh, so, well, it's ha- half at Wooster and then half at what's their double A? Um, New Hampshire. Yeah, maybe. So, but you know, he's got a home run in each spot, and 
you know, it's good to see that he's hitting the ball well, as opposed to I'd be much more concerned if, you know, he hadn't hit any home runs, if he was, you know, hitting 175. But I'm also not like getting overly excited about the fact that he's hitting well down there uh, necessarily. Uh, for me, I think I would be, I think I'm more excited for him as a potential stolen base guy, right? Like this is, we know that he can steal bases still. Um, I'm still a little worried to see what the, the batting average might look like if the power is going to be fully there coming off of the injury. But if I need stolen bases, I think he's one of those guys that could be kind of a sneaky stolen base guy down the stretch and playing every day high up in uh, that Boston lineup. So uh, I, I I would stash him if I could. Unfortunately, in all the leagues where I'm able to stash him, uh, I have not been able to do that so, because of uh, because of rules. Yeah, well, question with him. You know, I have I have not seen the news. Is he coming? Is he going to be able to play shortstop on his way back, or is he moving to second base? I mean, obviously Boston has had a ton of problems at second base, and they've been playing Justin Turner there recently uh, because they you know between all the injuries that they've had, they have not been able to. Uh, properly cover the position but his story coming back because you know she has been playing a lot of dh and so where are they going to move uh what are they going to do there do you know uh i uh i mean i'm watching a video of him playing shortstop right now so um from down in the minor leagues uh uh, so my assumption is that he will be able to play shortstop, but I know the original talk when he was coming back or, you know, when he was about to start his rehab assignment was that uh, there was a chance that they would activate him before he was even able to play the field and he would just the age. So my guess is he splits time between second base or shortstop, probably shortstop uh, and DH. Uh, so, but I mean, I don't think you're activating him and then, Sitting him two or three days a week. I think. Yeah, I, I just played every they day. They need an insurance plan. I mean, Yu Chang's not the insurance <laughs> plan. Uh, you know, maybe they go out and get your boy Paul DeYoung uh, and and look for that. It's short that they need a, a shortstop insurance plan. I'd be really surprised if the Red Sox added to this team really at all. They at least uh, is kind of like settling down where people have got options. I mean, I think they traded Kike Hernandez just because they realized he wasn't the answer at shortstop, and they were kind of crowded in the outfield. So they went out and did what they did there, but uh, they need they need something. They need kind of an insurance policy. Hey, get Tim Anderson. There you go. There's your answer. <laughs> uh, the next uh, the next piece of news is uh, Taylor Ward went to the IL with facial fracture. Uh, he was hit in the face by Alec Manoa because uh, Manoa still can't figure out where the plate is. Um, or are you holding on to Taylor Ward right now? So I was watching that game, and I was like, ooh, bases loaded, one out, nobody out, and first pitch, sinker. That just didn't sink it. It kind of deflected off the brim of the batting helmet, and then you know, Ward took it off really the bridge of his nose, but he has multiple facial fractures. So uh, you know, he is likely going to be on the IL for August, and then you have to worry about how is, how is it going to be when he comes back and how he's going to be able to handle inside pitches. And it's just, it's the psychology of it all. Uh, mm -hmm. We remember, think back to, I mean, this didn't appear to be like the time Giancarlo Stanton took the Mike Fires pitch, but it was, you know, it was pretty, pretty bad. Uh, that's how it, uh, you know, how he got hit with it. And it was weird with Manoa. It was like, there were times in this game 
and I was watching this because it was the only game on on a Saturday afternoon. What the hell, baseball? You've got a Saturday <laughs> afternoon all to yourself, and this is the only game that was on that was even being played at the time, right? I, I don't understand what they do on Saturdays. But anyhow, there were times in this game where Manoa looked really good. Uh, slider was good. It was locating, and then it all just fell apart in that final inning, and then culminated by the, the sinker that ended up off, off Ward's cheek. So I don't – you know, I have an AL talent or AL labor rather, and I could put him on the bench. Obviously, I can IL him, but if you're in a league where you're, you know, NFBC style, 17 reserves only, I don't know how you can. It really sucks because Ward was starting to play better of late. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this unfortunate timing with it. And I don't know what the Angels will do. If you think, if you look at the roster, the immediate, uh, you know, your gut reaction was like, okay, Joe Adele time. Well, no, Joe Adele's still on the IL himself. He went on the IL with an oblique injury just before the All Star break, and he may not you know, he may not be back from that for another uh, week plus. The good news is is when people come back from oblique injuries, hitters this year they've tended to be on time, and it hasn't had an impact on the performance. That was one of the takeaways from the art, the aforementioned article I wrote. Uh, so that's some good news there. But right now they're calling up Kevin Padlow, um, and that's just you know we need a we need a name uh, come up here and do something, please. So I don't know for the next for the next week or so the Angels, uh, I you know they just made their acquisitions to to stay in this in this pennant race uh, for or not a pennant race for them for for a wild card spot. And I don't know. I guess this is going to keep some more playing time for Trey Cabbage. Uh, Michael Stefanik's been getting some pinch hits around the Otani uh, cramp uh, issue, but right now, when you look at the way this lineup's going to stack up, uh, man, I don't know if Otani. I'm worried about Otani only because why the hell would I pitch him? Matt Chapman was definitely on to something the other day when he's yelling and when he hit when Otani hit the home run, and they're like, "Why the f are we pitching to this guy? Why?" And you look at this lineup right now, and it's like, okay, Zach Neto, Otani, Mickey Moniak, Mike Mustakas. It's like. I'm just going to pitch around Otani as much as I can, and I'll deal with these other guys. Yeah, Moniak's had a great year, but I would still rather face Moniak like 100 days a week over mm-hmm. Otani. So yeah. I, the war injury to me is the trickle down because it further – it's it's definitely a king in his court situation there in, in Los Angeles, South L.A. right now uh, with this lineup. And if I'm a contending team, I'm not even dealing with pitching to Otani. I just put him on base, let him try to steal a base. Uh, that's fine with me. Yeah, you got to wonder if the Angels will add another outfielder here at the deadline, uh, especially with Ward being out for a little while. Uh, it won't be Cody Bellinger. We just uh, just saw come over the wire that the Cubs are not trading away Cody Bellinger at the deadline. I think they might be buyers even uh, at the deadline, which is a weird thing to say, but the Cubs are competing uh, right now. So maybe, hey, Tyler O'Neill, anybody? Uh, he might look good. Uh, in Angels Red. So, uh, can, uh, well, how about can Eduardo Escobar play the outfield? Um, I bet he could. I don't know that they necessarily want. I mean, because I, I think somebody like Heimer Condelario definitely would make a good fit uh, as a third mm-hmm. baseman for them, and then they could move uh, move Escobar to the outfield. Uh, and it, I, I say this as somebody who <laughs> he hasn't played a single game in the outfield this year. Um, and I'm looking at his – the last time he played some outfield was 2017. So mm. scratch that. Never mind. Uh, maybe maybe like a Mark Canha deal where, you yeah. know, it's, it's a guy that you get for fairly cheap. You move Moniak over to center, uh, and that's kind of the way you, you go about things. But, I mean, considering they were willing to give up a, a fair amount for uh, Giolito – 
seems like they want to push all in. So I wouldn't be surprised if we saw, you know, them go for maybe a bigger piece uh, somewhere. Uh, so the question becomes, uh, you know, are they willing to part with more of this farm system in order to improve it? Uh, speaking of injuries to the uh, AL West, Jonah Heim uh, goes on the IL with a wrist injury. Um, uh, you and I were talking about this prior to uh, prior to going live uh, because I have a decision to make in my main event. I've got Jonah Heim. He's been great for me. Uh, but, you know, in a league where I don't have IL spots, can I wait the two to three weeks that he's at least going to be out for with the potential he could be out the rest of the season? Uh, or should I just drop him and move on? Yeah, that's that's the issue with this is the injury – when it came out, it's basically like, okay, here's here's Heim's injury. He has to figure out if he can play through it. If he can't, he has to have surgery. It will end his season. So one would hope or expect that that resolution will come to sooner rather than later uh, with that. And so, you know, I would expect coming days because when you look at when you look at what they can do, they've called up Sam Huff, and Sam Huff can hit. Sam Huff proved last year he can't throw anybody out that's not a strength of mitch garbers and we and we that's one of the things that jonah heim has done really well i mean i honestly from a fantasy perspective jonah heim has done two things extremely well this year one he has driven in a ton of runs he has you know, look this is not one of the guys you would have expected in the top 25 of the rbi leaderboard but he's done it this year uh, and so that's been one of the things but the other thing is he has excelled in stealing strikes and and making and making pitches on the fringe become strikes he has been one of the best guys in baseball in doing that this year and so then now we have how is this going to impact that uh, that texas staff that we talked about earlier that's been up and down all year now they're going to have the uh, the defense is taking a step back behind the plate uh because garver and huff simply aren't the same framers that that jonah heim has been so i have larger concerns for the impact of the offense a little bit it should help Mitch Garver, if he can get the bat going with some RBI opportunities, but I'm more worried about how this injury is going to impact this pitching staff because they have certainly enjoyed what he what Heim has done behind the plate uh, for them this year. But for you, I, I'm hoping the answer comes sooner rather than later because uh, if he decides, look, I, th this this not going to work, you know, they could go out and make another acquisition. You know, go get Grandall from the White Sox uh, and get some experience behind the plate. Mm -hmm. Go find another catcher. But if they have to move forward with Garver and Huff, uh, I'm concerned about the overall impact on that pitching staff. Yeah, I'm I'm leaning towards dropping him this week just because even if he comes back, is he going to still have the power in the bat that made him kind of valuable this year, right? And uh, is he going to play? as regularly as he was uh, considering right. injury. And so I think the right answer is probably to drop him and move on. Unfortunately, like in my scenario, it's a you know 15 team two catcher league. So I'm potentially dropping him for a guy like Connor Wong or Freddie Furman. It's like, uh, I don't know that I'm going to get much, but getting anything when you're in a you know kind of a dog fight uh, in a race, like you, you've got to kind of do what you got to do. So I think for me, I'm probably going to end up dropping him. Uh, but, I I completely understand people wanting to kind of give it a little bit of wait and see and see if, you know, hey, maybe a week from now we have a little bit more news. Um, but I think the right answer is drop them because, I mean, power is likely going to be sapped anyways. Yep. Uh, it's, it's usually an issue when you're coming back from uh, a wrist injury or anything. It just takes some time. 
and especially if he's trying to play through pain, um, you have to change your expectations. Are you picking up Mitch Garver or Sam Huff in leagues where they're available? Uh, yeah, just because you're looking at a lineup again that produces a lot of runs. Uh, and Garver, you know, he has that catcher eligibility, which certainly helps. I would expect him, unless the Rangers make another move, to be the primary catcher uh, for this. And so being in that lineup should help him be an above average producer at the catching position, which, by the way, has been pretty decent this year overall. Uh, compared to what it normally is. But uh, I'm not going out, reaching out for Huff unless I'm in a two-catcher mono league um, because he definitely has limitations behind the plate, and, and the club knows this. And I want to say he was one for the season last year in throwing guys out, and that's where it's always been problematic with Huff. There's plenty of offensive upside, but throwing guys out has not been a strength of his. And you know, this year, he, nobody has actually attempted one on him. Um, Garver is 2 of 13 in throwing out base runners. And uh, Jonah Heim was uh, Jonah Heim was uh, he had he was fourteen of fifty three in catching him, so he wasn't you know wasn't setting the world on fire, but that's still a lot better than that. But if I go back and look at two thousand twenty two, and go back and look at the situation, uh, Sam Huff was four of twenty three in throwing out runners last year, so that's the situation. And then Mitch Garber was two of ten, so we're talking about two catchers that have combined to throw out ten guys in their last. 50 attempts not great yeah i think i think garver in you know two catcher like 12 team leagues 10 team leagues uh makes a lot of sense maybe even i i feel like you could get a better catcher in a one catcher 15 team league but um yeah i i think that garver's gonna play a fair amount um even when he's not uh catching he'll probably be DHing. so I think this is a good time to go buy on Garver in, in, in most formats. Um, I want to look to see if um, I want to see pull up a fifteen team league one catcher and see what see what's out there, uh, just so we can try to help people here real quick with that. If I go to well, you know, I'm in a two catcher league in that. Sorry, I'm thinking GDD was a two catcher league. Uh, so if I even a two catcher league in a fifteen team two catcher league, I can go get Tom Murphy right now, who's been hitting well. I can get Connor Wong, as you said, who's been hitting decently. Mm-hmm. Um, I can get Matt Tice, who's going to get, who's been getting more playing time. So this isn't a 15-team two-catcher league. These are some of the names that are. That's three names that are available right there. Um, and if I switch over, I have an 18-team one-catcher league. And if I look at an 18-team one-catcher league, which would be close enough to what we're talking about with a 15-team with a one-catcher. Uh, I can look and look at Danny Chanson, uh, who's been starting to get the power stroke back. Mm-hmm. He's been hit. Tom Murphy is still there. Uh, the other names that we've mentioned, Jake Rogers has been getting more playing time. So you do have options. Like I said, the catching position hasn't been completely terrible this year, as it has been most seasons. Uh, that said, I'm still not adding Sam Huff. Yeah, I, I think that makes sense. Um, all right, uh, next guy on, or we're going to move on into kind of fab. Like I said, not as great of a fab week uh, as other weeks have been, uh, but there are some interesting names. Marco Luciano called up by the San Francisco Giants. This is an interesting call up because Brandon Crawford was activated from the IL the following day. So it looks like Luciano is probably going to be kind of more of a, a fill in or a super utility kind of guy in the infield. 
Uh, this is a former top prospect that's kind of lost a lot of the hype around him because he's been dealing with kind of recurring back issues in the minor leagues. Uh, but the bat speed is fantastic. There is a lot of upside here. Any interest in Marco Luciano? No, not really. Back back trouble says it all for me. Um, you know, it's to me we we're trying to look for fantasy and what's the best skill that he has hitting you know base hits. And but he's going to hit the bottom of the lineup, so that's going to limit how many runs he's going to score. So, unless I'm in a deep mono league, no interest. Yeah, I mean, there is a fair amount of power in this bat, but unfortunately, I just don't know how much he's going to be able to tap into it in San Francisco's park. Uh, and like I said, he's going to hit the bottom of the lineup. Uh, it looks like he is projected to kind of be, you know, a pretty regular second baseman there at San Francisco. Uh, but they've also got a lot of other options uh, on this team, including Wilmer Flores and Casey Schmidt. Um, you know, Schmidt's a very, very good defender. Uh, Flores has been really hot as of late. So I just think that the playing time probably going to be a little bit too sporadic for him to get involved a ton in terms of plate appearances. And so um, while Luciano has kind of a big name from his previous prospect pedigree, I think this is more about next year for him. Like, you know, I think he's going to be probably every day uh, in the lineup, maybe even a shortstop uh, considering uh, this is the last year of Brandon Crawford's deal. So, uh, but for this year, I just don't know that Luciano, I know he's going to be a popular pickup. I just don't think he's that impactful for 2023 um what about matt walner um who is uh you know has been playing a little bit in minnesota has got four home runs in the year hit 254 any interest in matt walner yeah he can hit he's got some power uh the issue i have is once buxton comes off the aisle what's the playing time going to look like so at least for this week uh speculative bid on matt walner would be appropriate uh but it will be a week by week situation but I've watched a couple of at-bats, uh, and he's not overmatched. Uh, definitely has the pop. Minnesota's had a lot of guys like this before. <laughs> I think back to still waiting for Trevor Larnock to break out, that type of situation. But I would take a, a bit on Walner this week without without even looking at what the schedule is like for them this week. I have not looked at their schedule. They're, they're at St. Louis and then at Arizona. Now, currently projected to go up against Jordan Montgomery, who's probably going to be traded. He won't be there. Jack Flaherty, who's probably going to be traded, uh, and Miles Mikolas will be his first start off of uh, suspension. Um, and then they go to Arizona, Merrill Kelly, who will be there, Ryan Nelson, who will be there, and Zach Allen, who will be there. So it's, it is not a terrible schedule for him to potentially, you know, take advantage of because, I mean, who's St. Louis even going to be throwing? Like Matthew Liebertor? Like, um, I, I don't even know like what they're on, you know, Dakota Hudson, I think is back at this point. So, um, like those are probably the guys that fill in once they do trade, um, Montgomery and Flaherty. Uh, so I think it's a pretty good setup for Walner to get some, uh, to get some playing time. It's a six game uh, week mm -hmm. and Buxton is already back. So, uh, you know, did, oh, did they send Walner down? Here's a question. I think they no, did. Walner played just yesterday. He hit ninth yesterday. Oh, there he is. So the Buxton, I missed the news. Buxton came back because he had but, but, but he, He's only Buxton's only DHing. Yeah. So um, I think Walner is. Yeah, Walner's going to continue to play hitting the middle lineup. I mean, there's a uh, batting average is probably not going to be great for Walner, but if you need pop, and a lot of us in leagues do need pop, 
Uh, Walner is available in uh, in a lot of leagues. I think he's the guy. And he should play every should. day too. I mean, you look yeah. at the lineup; they've been platooning uh, Edward Julian. They've obviously platooning Max Kepler and Joey Gallo, and so that's when Kyle Farmer, Donovan Solano, and Willie Castro were getting into the lineup. Uh, but Walner's been out there playing every day, fifth, yeah. fifth, fourth, sixth, seventh, and he's played right and left field in three of the past four days around the DHing time. So they have made the room for him. Uh, and Willie Castro has been out there in the lineup every single day, which he should be. Uh, you know, Mr. 25 plus surprising steals uh, <laughs> with that in that situation. So Walner's got a six game week and the front half of that schedule is rather nice with two. It could be two starters to be named later um, if, yep. if both Flaherty and Montgomery are out of the picture. So I again, I would take a, this week with Matt Walner and see how it plays out um, overall. Yeah, I agree. Uh, <laughs> another guy who is uh, back up is Oscar Gonzalez. Remember when people were really, really excited about him coming into the season uh, before he had just an atrocious time at the major league level uh, in 80 plate appearances, I think 205 uh, with only one home run. Uh, He's going to be back. It looks like he's going to be playing fairly regularly. Any interest in Oscar Gonzalez? Oh man, no. Where's it coming? I mean, it's, it's still Cleveland. I'm just trying to think why is he up and he's played he's played two of the four games since he's been up hit sixth or seventh but it could be lightning in a bottle situation it's not like anything else I mean he's been he's been playing the games that Miles Straw has not so the two games that Gonzalez has been in Miles Straw has sat and then that has shifted I'm just trying to look at the debt that has shifted will Brennan the center field. Uh, in those particular matchups. So that's what they've been trying to get the that particular situation. I mean, this is still a bad offense. It's still bad, but if they've got a lot of sweet central, that's kind of where I'm trying to juggle with the Guardians roster. You know, there's a lot of divisional play in September, which means they have a lot of White Sox and Royals coming up. So I kind of am, but really on the cheap. Really yeah. on the cheap. It's a hard week too because they're going or they're they're facing Houston in Cleveland. Uh, the first part of the week they're getting JP France, Framber Valdez. No, they're at Houston. Harvey. They're at Houston. Oh, sorry, yeah, they're at Houston, uh, and they're facing JP France, Framber Valdez, and Christian Javier. So not a really good start to the week. If you're in NFBC type of format or daily moves type format, maybe you just want to use them for the back half because they're facing uh, the White Sox at home. They're getting. Clevenger, Kopech, and Jesse Schultens. So yeah. a pretty good back half of the week if you're looking kind of for uh, a back half of the week streamer, but pretty rough first half of the week. Um, I, I mean, I don't think anything's really changed with my thought process on Oscar Gonzalez. He just swings too damn much, especially out of the zone, to ever really be extremely fancy viable. But what we did see last year from him, you know, he, at, uh, in his stint in the majors is that he can outrun some of that uh, those bad skills for a little while with good luck. And so if you want to take a bet that he can get some good luck here for the rest of the season, uh, fine. But I, I just don't know that he's that. Yeah, if you're uh, like me, if you're one of those but He will be, again, a popular pickup. Taylor Ward, like if you just lost Taylor Ward and you're in an AL deep AL only league, this is one of the options you're going to have to consider. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> speaking of the Cardinals... Um, since uh, we were just talking about the Cardinals pitching, the Cardinals are going to trade away a ton of players here over the next few days, or at least we expect them to, right? 
that may open up spots for minor leaguers coming up. And Mason Wynn has been on fire in AAA. Uh, he's sitting for power, speed, batting average. Uh, he could be their everyday shortstop sooner rather than later. Any interest in maybe stashing Mason Wynn in a league? Yeah, I asked, I saw him. So we recorded last Sunday, and I went to the Charlotte Memphis game after uh, after we recorded at five o'clock. Got to see Win in person, <laughs> so you know, it looked good in field, looked good at the plate, uh, and so yeah, I would have interest because you, you said the magic word. They're going to be freeing up some playing time for some people. Uh, you know, we mentioned uh, DeYoung; he's been hitting at the bottom of the lineup, uh, likely gone, and that creates a shortstop gap because DeYoung has been the starting shortstop in five of the last six games. There, that creates a spot for him to play unless they're going to go like, oh, hey, here's Taylor Motter. Oh, God, no. Uh, Taylor <laughs> Motter has been the only guy that started shortstop when when DeYoung hasn't. So, yes, they need to put challenge the kid, put him up. That said, you know, if you look at what this lineup is going to look like, I'm not sure that Wynn has anywhere to hit but at the bottom of the lineup when he does come up unless they are like, hey, Brendan Donovan, take a step aside. We're going to give we're going to do a baptism by fire. Win lead off. Other than that, so he's either going to hit first or ninth. I don't know if there's any other room uh, for him to hit because they said they're not trading Arenado. They're probably not going to trade, you know, look at the rest of the offense, you know, Tyler O'Neill, and that maybe pushes Walker up and then allows Wynn to, to move up. But I don't know what, what's going to happen with it. But that said, he should be getting regular playing time if he does get called up. So, yes, I'm interested. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely interested. I think he is the guy that uh, should be up sooner rather than later. There's power, there's speed. Uh, though I don't know how well the power necessarily translates uh, to the majors, especially right of way. So I think he's more of a speed and uh, batting average kind of guy. I do worry a little bit about the fact that he will likely hit at the bottom of the lineup, uh, at least initially. But, uh, I mean, Wynn's a very talented prospect. I know some of his uh, prospect hype is kind of dampened uh, over the last year or two. Uh, but, I mean, he's still a guy who should be an impact guy as soon as he's up. So I think if you're looking for a stash, um, I think you can do much worse than win. Uh, let's move into some pitchers. Uh, let's start with Yimmy Garcia. Uh, Jordan Romano has been struggling and uh, uh, dealing with a back issue uh, since that all-star break appearance. Yimmy Garcia has gotten a couple saves in the meantime. Are you picking up Yimmy Garcia? So... Again, I watched the only game that was on TV yesterday afternoon uh, and, and got to see the back end of the bullpen without Romano, who was on the IL as he tries to deal with these back issues. So if, if, of what I saw, Nate Pearson looked the best uh, of this. Yimmy Garcia came in, and now he came in after the game had kind of broken open, and he came in and worked 11 pitches. And Genesis Cabrera, I saw him pitch as well. But Pearson, to me, looked the best of all of them. Uh, and that's where it was – that's where I want to say things could go. If you need to have him come in and get swing and miss, he's your guy. That said, Garcia's got more experience, and we know how these managers tend to tilt towards the experience. So, yes, I would throw – I would not be aggressive on trying to get Garcia, but I would throw a speculative bid into that situation because they do have – they do have multiple options back there – and I know they can't really move him, but honestly, it's like when you look at a guy like Trevor Richards, I don't know if people have been paying attention to Trevor Richards and the amount of strikeouts he's getting despite, you know, he's the he's the anomaly in that bullpen. He doesn't have the big uh, fastball that some of the other guys have. But that said, he's his strikeout rate, he struck out 13.7% or 37% of the batters he's faced this year, and it's because of that damn nasty changeup that he has. 
and he has just been dealing back there. And so I wonder if like he's part of the rotation, uh, part of that rotation. So I don't think it's going to be any one guy back there while Romano's out, which is why I wouldn't get too aggressive on anything because behaviorally, if you go back and look at the depth chart of what they've done around these different types of situations, yeah, Garcia had the, has had the only save this particular week, but Swanson's had a couple, Pearson has had a couple, you know, Cabrera's has the history with another club. So they do have options. The only option you could absolutely rule out is Mitch White. Really not sure why he's even on this club. And I, I know Jay's fans listening are like, oh yeah, please get rid of this bum. Uh, yeah, but they have options. Yeah, I, I think it probably will be spread around. I also wouldn't be surprised if they went out and got someone at the deadline. That's uh, the one thing that's available is plenty of bullpen guys. You want to go get yeah. somebody, but as you even said last week, the only bullpen arms that are available are on bad teams, and there's a reason why these teams are bad. Yeah, exactly. So uh, I, I wouldn't get overly uh, aggressive on Jimmy Garcia, but uh, I think if you if you need some short-term save help, maybe he could be a guy that gets a few saves if they don't make a move for someone at the deadline. Uh, what about Robert Suarez? I mean, they gave, the Padres gave him a big contract uh, it's in the offseason uh, to be kind of their setup guy. Uh, but the Padres are also likely to trade Josh Hader at the deadline, uh, which would leave the ninth inning open for a guy like Robert Suarez. Are you going to the wire to grab him? Yeah, I would have him in my waterfall bids. Uh, if they go, if if San Diego does make the trade uh, and, and moves Hater, I would want to get Suarez right now. I mean, he's not going to be dirt cheap because there are going to be people listening to this podcast doing things that be like, oh yeah, let me get ahead of this one. So he's not going to be dirt cheap this weekend, <laughs> but he's going to be a lot cheaper this weekend than he will be next weekend. So yeah. yes, I would put him in my my conditional bids uh, if I'm trying to fill a bullpen spot. Like I said, with Romano, I happen to have both. Uh, if this was a mixed league, uh, rather, but in the in AL, like I have Romano, and I have Romano, Swanson, and Pearson in AL labor. So I, I have a couple of bases covered. <laughs> but if I was in a mixed league and I just lost Romano, this would be one of the guys I would have uh, in my in my waterfall bid, along with Greg Santos. I mean, at least Greg Santos has the job now, and he may get five saves, but Suarez could get more than that if he gets the job here in the next 48 hours. Yeah, I, I think that Suarez is a pretty uh, good pickup uh, for leagues where you need saves because while the Padres are going to be sellers, they're not going to be atrocious. They're still going to, I mean, they're not going to trade any of their massive big bats. They've already said that they're not interested in trading. Um, uh, away uh, Juan Soto, or at least they they don't seem to be. Uh, so like this is still going to be a pretty good team that's going to get some wins down the stretch. So unlike maybe some of these other teams that we'll mention, uh, you know, as potential sellers, like they're not going to be bottom feeders because they sell at the deadline. So uh, I think there'll be more uh, save opportunities available for Suarez. So I think he's kind of my number one target in terms of uh, looking for next man up for saves, uh, who I might be trying to go after. Uh, yep. Giovanni Gallegos could be the closer again in St. Louis if the Cardinals decide to trade Jordan Hicks and trade Ryan Helsley. There were some reports that uh, Ryan Helsley uh, could be traded at the deadline as well. Uh, and part of the report was that Helsley was upset about his usage or something, and then Helsley quote tweeted it um on on twitter i'm still still calling it twitter um uh saying oh i didn't know i felt this way so uh 
if uh would you be interested in taking a spec shot on Giovanni Gallegos considering he's likely to be the next man up if both Helsley and Hicks are traded uh yeah kind of at the end of of the bidding you know they they know what they have there and this is a chance for them to look at another option really uh it's it screams like the whole Jordan Hicks situation yeah the Cardinals haven't won a lot of games but Jordan Hicks hasn't pitched since Monday didn't mm-hmm. pitch Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, nor yesterday. Uh, and it's like clear that they're holding him out for something to be traded. Mm-hmm. You would figure he'd come in and do something, but no, he has not pitched in five days. Uh, and so they are clearly keeping him uh, in bubble wrap so they can move, they can do something because the, the whatever talks there was for extension are gone uh, mm-hmm. and he is going to be on the move. So, yeah, but I, honestly, I would like to see them try something else. Uh, and see what if they if they potentially have another option. But that said, I don't know what else they have. So it may be okay. It's your job, kid. Again, have fun. Yeah, I, I mean, I think he's probably a little bit lower on my totem pole because I don't know that they trade Helsley. I think Helsley. I mean, I don't know why they they've got. I think they've got Helsley under a contract for another couple years. So I'm gonna double check that as I talk. Um, and so, like, I understand there was a report that they're looking. Yeah, he, he's not a free – Helsley's not a free agent until 2026. So, um, and he's just going to enter arbitration for the first time uh, this offseason. So, uh, I, I can't imagine they trade Helsley unless they're getting a ton back. Become a, I mean, a guy who's on the IL, uh, you know, with a forward issue. Like, what are you really getting for him at the deadline? So, I – I think this one is probably, uh, you know, Gallegos may be in my waterfall bid, but like super, super low, maybe a buck or something like that uh, towards the end. is kind of a backup if I don't get a guy like Robert Suarez. I think I'd rather have Yubi Garcia than Gallegos. Yeah, yeah, I agree. All right. Uh, last guy on the docket is Steven Matz, um, who's pitched really, really well since returning <laughs> to the rotation. Uh, still pretty widely available in a lot of formats. Um, and he gets a really nice start versus the Rockies at home. Uh, the Rockies going to be sellers as well. Uh, I don't think Matt's is going to get moved uh, necessarily because of his contract, unless the Cardinals want to eat kind of uh, a lot of the remaining money. Uh, so I think this is a pretty good stream that you can hold on your team for a while. Uh, even in 10 and 12 team leagues, are you picking up Steven Matt's? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he's uh, been uh, tweaking around. I saw a note from Jeff Zimmerman about, you know, he's moved away. Jeff's notes say that Matt's has moved away from his curveball and throwing more changeups, and that makes sense. Is the curveball is garbage, and you get more swings and misses on the changeups than go go with it. So yeah, I would if I need uh, to. Let's say I was in a league where I'm, I'm not very confident in the good elbow pain from Nate Evaldi. Maybe I can take advantage of this nice matchup that Matt's has and, and add him and go from there. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I obviously I've been a big Matt's guy uh, for a few years. Obviously, I was also I a have year not and a half. Yeah, I, think he, <laughs> I was a year and a half too early because uh, I was big on him coming into last season. Uh, but yeah, if Matt's is still available on your wire, you should be picking him up. He's been fantastic since returning to the rotation over his last four starts, a sub three RA uh, during that time. Uh, you know, that defense behind him is still really, really good. So um, I, I think, yeah, Matt's is a, a pretty easy pickup and stream this week. And then you kind of play matchups with him rest of the way. But I think he should be rostered in pretty much every format at this point. All right. 
that's going to wrap us up for this episode. Uh, Jason, I uh, want to remind everybody we're reached on social media and then plug anything you got going on. So uh, collect calls column uh, is we're usually running on Fridays now. And I told you I wrote about injuries and what to expect, given that we have a few big names out right now, uh, like Cedric Mullins with his second issue with his ab- abductor groin, you know, second one of his, Mike Trout, some some different names, Starling Marche. So what to expect when those guys are coming back. That's out there. Uh, and then, you know, if you're watching video, I put Linktree because I'm kind of, again, playing around in multiple places. I've uh, been in threads, been in uh, Twitter is mostly or whatever the hell you want to call it these days is mostly been for me bitching about the Rays playing uh, of late. So I'm doing mostly in game, but I, I'm not. Uh, so look on Linktree. You can just Linktree slash Jason Collette. Really easy to find uh, everything I'm doing. And then. Uh, yeah, that's it right now. I, I don't have anything else. Just trying to survive the day job. Uh, back to school season. So a lot of people have technology needs in schools, and it's keeping me busy during the day, which is why you won't see me on any kind of trade deadline shows. I don't have time. <laughs> you will see me on a bunch of trade deadline uh, shows. I'm going to be on uh, Joe Rico's uh, uh, podcast. He's doing a live stream. Uh, I think I'm going to be on at the 4 o'clock hour on the East Coast. Uh, I will be joining Nick and Paul for their stream uh, at some point. Uh, and then I'm going to try to join the Tout War stream at some point. So I'm going to be on a bunch of different live streams during the trade deadline, putting my kid in daycare for the day so I can focus on <laughs> uh, focus on that. Uh, I'm writing three days a week over at Fantasy Pros, five days uh, a week over at Fangraphs. Um, and I'm doing this podcast and eventually I'll be doing the Friends of Fantasy Benefits podcast. But unfortunately, uh, Dave, my co-host over there, uh, has been dealing with some technical issues uh, and can't get his computer up and running at the moment. So uh, hopefully kind we can get important. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's, a, it's a necessity, unfortunately, for, um, for podcasting unless you live near each other. And we don't. He lives in Cleveland. So uh, that will wrap us up for this episode for Jason and myself. Thank you for listening. Have a fantastic baseball season. Thanks, guys.